Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Messa, coming to you with a brand new show with one of our favorite guests, Mr. Charlie Pierce, in our continuing series, Checkpoint Charlie. We've got a lot of catching up to do, but first of all, it's been a while. Mr. Pierce, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Paul. How are you doing? Well, I'll tell you what, I wish we could start off on a little more of a positive note. We're taping the show on August 24th, Charlie. I don't know if you heard the news. They just announced one hour ago that the great Charlie Watts passed away. Yeah, I saw that. I did see that. I I immediately queued up Tumbling Dice. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, you, talk, was, you, talk about it, you talk about a guy who lived in the pocket, man. Oh. Charlie, like... Yeah. Metronomes use Charlie Watts to keep time. <laughs> you know, it was uh, when I was going to start the show off tonight bitching about how the Stones had the balls to go on the road without Charlie Watts. And uh, just as I was queuing up my notes, I read that. And I just, uh, who is more beloved in rock and roll than Charlie Watts? You know, maybe. Everybody, was- that, that, that's true. And who in rock and roll? was married to the same woman for 57 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Charlie's great line when he, uh, when Mick Jagger uh, introduced him as my drummer oh, and yes. Watts knocked him out and said, no, you're my singer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I remember. He was, uh, you know, he and, he and Bill Wyman, they were the backbone. Yeah, and of absolutely. Course, and, of course, Charlie, Charlie you know, expanded into big band music and all kinds of stuff. He loved jazz. He was a great jazz drummer. But I remember when I saw the Stones, God, it would have been 20 years ago at the Metrodome uh, in Minneapolis. And I happened to be sitting in front of uh, Minnesota Twins pitcher Jim Cott and his family. uh, I like Jim. Jim's a great guy. Jim's a great guy, and I, I just uh, was having those few moments before the Stones were introduced going, now that I've had a nice 15-minute conversation with Mr. Cott and his wife, at what point do I pull out the joints before the show? <laughs> but that, it was kind of like Keith versus Jim Cott. I went I went with Keith. Jim Jim was, uh, uh, he knew what was happening. It wasn't his first rodeo. But I remember when they introduced Charlie Watts, Charlie mm-hmm. Pierce. I he had tears in my eyes. I had such emotion for the man. Yeah, I mean that was. I mean, as we said, that was the thing. He's one of the few people in that business that everybody liked. Yeah, now, I mean, everybody first, respected and everybody liked. When was the first time you saw the Rolling Stones live? I have never seen the Rolling Stones. Wow, I never have. They're the one. I mean, beyond the guys who died young. There's a one hole in my resume. Yeah. I just never got, you know, I never got, they, they never, I mean, they, they came around and they didn't come around and they were in Europe all that time. Uh, and then they just were not, they, they and I were just never in the same town. And when they yeah. started doing stadium tours and stuff at the end, I sort of didn't want to see them. And, and yeah. plus they were priced way out of my price range. 
Well, you know, as part of that Metrodome show, I remember they did a stripped-down thing where they went out into the runway that ran into the uh, uh, to the Metrodome, and they did this stripped-down thing of the band, so you had a little bit of a idea of what they might have sounded like in a small club, which uh-huh. would have been amazing. I can't imagine... Uh, how Mick and Keith and Ronnie, how, how they've got to be feeling today. Well, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, their bass player is the guy who used to be with the Allman Brothers, right? Uh, their bass player was Daryl Jones. I don't know if Daryl was with the Allman Brothers or not. No, I thought, I thought it was Lamar Williams. Uh, no, Daryl Jones has been playing with them for, God, 20-some years. Oh, okay. All right. My but... Uh, yeah, and I always, truthfully, I mean, Daryl's a great player. I always had a problem with that because for me, the Stones needed Bill Wyman to be playing the bass with a pick. Daryl always played with his fingers. It never gave me quite the definition I needed with the modern Stones. Okay, I got you. I, I see your point. But, yeah, I mean, among the, you know, the, excuse me, <clears throat> among the rhythm sections out of that era, uh, Watson, Wyman, and Entwistle and Moon are the two that come right to mind. Yeah. Well, may he rest in peace. We could do a whole. Yeah. We could do a whole Charlie Watts series. Hey, of made it all made it made it all the way to eighty. I mean, that's yeah. God that's bless beat, him. That, and, that's beat me odds in that life. Yeah, and he was. Uh, he was a real. You know, when you picture that idea of the genteel UK gentleman, he was it. You yeah, know, I mean, that, that story they tell about him punching out Jagger, he got dressed up first. <laughs> he put on a suit and, and, you know, Savile Row gorgeous suit and some, you know, brand new Cordovans or whatever. And then he went down and knocked Mick out. <laughs> God bless him. Well, Charlie, I got to admit, as you know, I moved up to the beautiful city of Duluth, Minnesota, and I've been taking some time off from politics. I... I, do, I like to tell people I have a I television think that's show. a wise move. We're taking, in fact, Esquire is, we're closing next, we're, we're dark next week. Nobody's going to be working. I'm not going to be doing the blog. Nobody's going to be doing anything else. Because we're all, we, all, we all need a week off. Oh, my goodness gracious. Although, you know, I know uh, I had a really fun Monday. And I know you're a, you're a huge hockey guy, huge sports guy, but I know you love your hockey like I did, but I did a, uh, I, I uh, donated an hour, hour and a half with the music for an event up in Biwabek, Minnesota. Uh, it was called uh, Teammates for Life, and they were raising money for a facility in Sox Center, Minnesota, for people with PTSD, hockey players, football players, sure. and, and they were raising money because they're going to be naming the facility after uh, Mark Pavlovich, the uh, Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. What a great idea. Yeah, and, and of course, he, uh, one of the stars of the 1980 Olympics hockey team, and then went on to play for the New York Rangers. And uh, what was fun, Charlie, was uh, it was really busy. There was, I don't know, three or 400 people there. But, you know, Buzzy Schneider was there, Silver Coda, uh, Bill Baker, a lot of people that played with on the 1980 Olympics teams. I was offered, they gave me a spot in return for playing to be on one of the foursomes on the golf thing. 
I've, oh, I'm, a horrible, I'm a horrible golf, golfer. The last thing I was going to do, Charlie, was get in a foursome with hockey players that actually knew how to golf, depending on me to make the 20-foot putt. Was not going to happen. So I gave up <laughs> of my course, spot. All hockey, all hockey players are golf nuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, you know what? They were all in terrific shape. Sure. I mean, there wasn't a beer belly in the bunch. And uh, uh, well, the guy that booked me was the Dan Thomasoni. I believe you knew him, but he used to uh, uh, coach the uh, Harvard hockey team, correct? Yeah, that, yeah, he was there after my time at the Herald, so I never got to know him. I knew Billy Cleary. That was my, my Harvard coach. Did you know this guy who I bumped into? He was honking his book. He looked uh, like a million bucks wearing a big cowboy hat named Clint Malarchuk. Oh, I remember his name, sure. Now, he was the guy he was playing for, I believe, was it the Islanders? No, the Buffalo Sabres in 1989 against the mm-hmm. St. Louis Blues. When he got there was a, a kind of a car crash at the uh, uh, at the Nats, and he got his uh, carotid artery skated over. And it was a horrific event. Uh, he asked the uh, trainer to let him stand up and be skated off the ice because he knew his mom was watching the game. But I was doing a little Wikipedia research on this. It was so yeah. blood. Eleven fans fainted. Two people in the stands had heart attacks. Three of the players vomited on the ice. I don't mean to make light of this, but it kind of underscores how violent hockey can be. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a high-speed collision sport. And, and, think about, and it combines ballet at top speeds. They play for, you know, it's not like football where you get a break every 12 seconds. And, right. Uh, but I've always had, to me, correct if I'm wrong, I think hockey is the most athletic and skilled game that there is in sports. Well, it's certainly the most, you know, the, the of the team sports, it's the most exhausting. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it's aerobically, it's, I, mean, I don't think any sport is close, not even basketball. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you add the, uh, the blades and the, uh, and the sticks and the proclivity for some of those guys that like to fight. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it's, it, it's hockey at its finest, truthfully. But it was really fun to see, you know, there's several hundred of these uh, hockey players to come together for one of their own. Like I said, the, the uh, motto for the event was teammates for life. So it was uh, sure. fun to be a part of that. What, yeah, uh, it sounds great. Playing, yeah, playing was, up in the... Playing up in those Lake Superior breezes. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, and it brought me back home. I mean, I I started playing hockey when I was a kid and uh, was able, you know, I kind of came of age scrimmaging against sure. the Carlson brothers and then went to uh, Tommy Williams Hockey School with Phil Ricotta. And, and I, as of course I've told you, I've got that great picture of myself and a young Bobby Orr at the right. Tommy Williams Hockey in 68 and the other two coaches 
uh, were Tony and Phil Esposito, and I think we lost one of the Esposito brothers. Tony died uh, about three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, so it was yeah. the, you know, I bailed on hockey in about eighth grade. I just didn't feel like I was good enough. But now in retrospect, when I look back at those guys I had the uh, honor of playing against, even as a kid, yeah. it was sure. really one of the last golden ages of Iron Range hockey. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, that's why when I did, the, I should show you this picture sometime. Uh, I'll take a picture. I'll take a picture of the picture. And uh, show it to you. It's, it's the marquee at my hotel. When I went up, uh, when I was working at GQ, when I went up to write about War Road Hockey at Henry Boucher. Oh, they have right. the marquee. Marquee, it says, Welcome, Charlie Pierce, to Hockey Town, USA. Oh, my God. Well, there you go. You could, you could, uh, I, I think you've got your, 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 uh, whatever you need for your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, so what uh, we're going to be, you uh, um, have shared some music with us. We're going to listen to me three songs uh, by this band, and I believe you've got uh, Blood Relationship in the band. So, uh, my daughter, my, yeah, my daughter Molly is the uh, lead singer in a band wow. called Good Moon. And they just dropped an EP, and, you know, I figured, you know, I'd run it by the, uh, the Hour of Power Radio Hour. Well, we, uh, I, I really dug what I heard, and we're going to share a uh, song now, and we'll have some info when we put up the podcast about how to track down more of the music of the band. Yeah, Molly's got a lovely voice, as she had sang her whole life. Yeah, she, I mean, she started singing when she was like two years old. Yeah. Uh, and she's got a very, you know, everybody, everybody who hears her says she was born in the wrong, the wrong part of the century. But she should have been a, a like a nightclub singer in the forties. Yeah, she's got beautiful voice and great phrasing. Yeah, she, yeah, she does. She, you know, she does it purely for fun too, which is nice. Yeah, and uh, what did you say the name of the band was again, Charlie? <clears throat> Good Moon. Good Moon. All right, we're going to listen to a little bit of Good Moon and be back for the whole show tonight in the Wall of Power Radio Hour with my good friend, Mr. Charlie Pierce. I hardly ever feel like myself anymore I think I'm different now than who I was before I've got ideas that will never come to life I need a light now, where is the light now? I've been a little stuck and just a Welcome back to the second set of the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. One of our favorite guests on tonight, Mr. Charlie Pierce, with our continuing series called Checkpoint Charlie. Checking in with Charlie, what uh, what have you been doing besides following the hellhole that's modern politics? Are you having any summertime fun, reading any good books? Listening yeah, to I'm, good you know, I'm, I'm okay. hanging out. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not doing a lot. I'm still, 
still doing physical therapy and stuff for the back when I get hit by the car. But, right. Uh, yeah, I'm banging, you know, I'm banging around and, you know, basically taking it easy. There's a lot to be said for loafing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you, uh, what did you, yeah, tell us that might have not heard about your, you got run over, what, about a year and a half ago? Yeah, uh, yeah, December of uh, 19. And you were just walking across the street. Yeah, the guy, the guy ran over my foot, and I was stuck. And I whacked his hood and said, hey, get off my foot. And instead of backing up, he accelerated, knocked me down. Wow. I got real lucky. I mean, I was incredibly lucky. My head landed in a snowbank. So it, oh, you know, man. Really, I mean, I had a concussion. I had some staples in my head, but it could have been a lot worse. That could have been a lot worse. Wow. But you're starting to, you're starting to feel better. Oh, yeah. I've been, yeah. I mean, it's just that, you know, my physical therapy got sidelined when the pandemic hit. Right. So... You know, I couldn't go anywhere, and, I, and, you know, I was trying to do it at home, and, you know, I probably wasn't doing it well. But, uh, and, you know, no, I'm going to get back. I'm going to pick the F.A. up again, I think, this fall and go fence. And... Oh, that's right. You are a fencer. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was, up at, I was up at 5 o'clock in the morning watching the fencing from the Olympics. Wow. <laughs> It's for you. What does, uh, you know, I've got to ask you, and we've talked about it before, uh, but growing up uh, with a love of writing like you did and then become a professional writer, what influence did Jack Kerouac have on you? And did you almost have any. No, almost none. I, I've never read On the Road. Uh, he it just, he was a guy I just went by. I didn't, you know, I, I mean, I, I just never read anything but a guy. Huh. I mean, I certainly recognize, you know, the influence he had on, you know, a couple of generations of writers, but just wasn't me. Uh, and it's not because I, like, started to read his book and then didn't like it. I just, you know, I just never got it. I never, I never started it, so I have no idea. So he, wow. like, he, yeah, like I said, he had absolutely no, no influence on me. Interesting. You might the guy who had the most influence on me. The guys who had the most influence on me growing up were the guys who started doing what they called, what Tom Wolfe called the new journalism uh, right. in New York at Harper's and Rolling Stone and, and uh, to an extent, Esquire uh, mm. back in the days. Uh, those are the guys who had most influence on me, certainly Hunter and, and you know, the rest of the the Rolling Stone guys, but the guys at, at Harper's too, and Larry L. King from Texas, and those guys. Uh, those had those are the guys who had the most influence on me. Now, and did you, all of the guy, yeah. all of the guys at the Andre Laguerre Sports Illustrated, Shanky, okay. or Roy Blunt, the Ford, Kirk Patrick, all those guys. Now you and I, uh, you hit me to a really good. Uh, Boston sports writer, and and I tracked down his anthology of writing at the Hennepin County Library. <laughs> at the time, I owed them more than I could take out. I did reserve reserve the book. I think he was an Irish guy. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, Bob Ryan. But, no, I see he had a real 
he was a real character, but maybe that was his name. Oh, uh, well, I just, uh, George Kimball, he was the guy I worked with at the Phoenix. But okay. I don't know if he has an anthology out there. No, this guy seemed to me to be a, he was seen to be Irish, but he was a heavy-duty sports writer for yeah. some bar. Yeah, I'm forgetting his name. I reserved his book. I read a little bit when I went downtown uh, to look at the book. What was the name of it? Well, yeah. it'll, that might come to us. Well, what are you, have you been reading anything fun this summer? Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been reading, uh, you know, I've been trying to read, I've, I've been trying to read a lot for myself and not for work. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I have to read for work and so I can background myself, myself and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I just I was just reading. In fact, talking about reporters and writers, I was just reading uh, Vilma Nataglio's biography of Molly Ivan. Oh, Molly which Ivan, was, which was really it's a really good biography. I mean, what's they the knew each other it? for years in Austin. And what's the and it was name interesting. of that? It was interesting how tied in that whole Austin crew was with the musicians down there. Yeah. I mean, they all went to the Armadillo. They all knew each other. It was this real counterculture hub. Right. Well, I had our friend on a few months ago, James Moore. Oh, I know Jim. Uh, yeah. I've never, I've, never, I've never met him, but we've corresponded for a long time. Yeah, he's a great guy. I love his writing. He's got a weekly newsletter out. But uh, when, we, when I chatted with him a few months back, he talked about that whole thing. About yeah. uh, the Armadillo, and you know Ray Benson, young George Bush, Molly Ivins. I mean, what a Willie Nelson! Yeah. What a treasure trove of uh, personalities. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was you know it was like everything about the thing was com- was counterculture. The music, yeah. the politics, the writing, the reporting, the, the newspapers, everything. Yeah. And of course, and it, was in the, it, was in, it was in the state capitol with all these incredible characters. Right. Thieves and crooks and stuff, and, you know, great topics. Yeah, well, you know, I believe, uh, well, I know Molly did some of her, uh, earned some of her bones, I believe, at the Minneapolis Star Tribune. She did. She, was, she, she started out at Houston Chronicle and then moved to the, I just read this, so I know this. Moved to Minneapolis, the Minneapolis Tribune. They couldn't contain her, so she moved back to Texas and went to work, went to work at the Texas Observer. Did you ever get to know Molly at all or meet her? No, uh, we corresponded because one of my best friends at the Boston Phoenix was a guy named John Ferguson, God rest his soul, and he had worked with Molly and Kay Northcott at the Texas Observer. So I wrote her a, an email one time saying, "You know, at the, you may not, I may not look upon you." as my mother in the business, but at least I can look upon you as my aunt and explain to her about me and Ferguson. And we, you know, corresponded a little bit back and forth. And then when John passed away, there were five of us. This was when Molly was pretty sick, but John passed away and there were, there were about five of us who spoke at his funeral. And she had her assistant get all of us to send copies of our eulogies to her so she could read them. Oh, Nice. So we were sort of connected anyway. I, uh, you know, I wrote a song years ago called Christmas at Molly's about this legendary. Yeah, but that's a bar. Yeah, that's a bar. But I sent it to her 
and because her name was Molly. And I did get a really nice postcard back. I never throw anything away. It's somewhere in my files. But I just adored her in a George Bush era. Uh, yeah. When they would interview either Molly or Ann Richards, I mean, who... God, you just had to bow down to both those women and how they took that guy to task. Yeah, well, boy, I mean, I mean, Ann Richards, you know, she went after the father, too. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they were uh, they were extremely valuable during those eight years. Oh, my God. Of course, I wish Molly, I certainly wish Molly had lived to assess the last four. Oh, my goodness gracious. So who do you... So you've had to dip your toe on because that's your beat is politics. Um, I guess Charlie Pierce writes for Esquire.com. And you see him uh, with semi-regularity on CNN and MSNBC. So what, Charlie, I've been staying out of politics. What do I need to know? Bring me up to speed. Or should I just put my head back in the sand and keep drinking? Uh, well, I can't speak one way or the other on the drinking. But putting the head back in the, in the sand would make, that diff- would make drinking difficult, I would think. Uh, but it will, it will it will give you a thirst. Uh, we're, we're we're back in the we're back in the same hole. The Republicans are completely out of their minds. Uh, they can't control their base. Uh, Donald Trump got booed the other night at one of his rallies because he told people to take the vaccine. Uh, they're, they're, you know, the Republican Party, the rank and file is a madhouse right now. Yeah, the Democrats are trying to get infrastructure bills passed and can't get out of their own way. So. Uh, you know, it's 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 the you know it's, it's you know it's, it's we're all you know we're all kind of blinking and stumbling through the rubble that was left behind by the last guy. Yeah. What is um, what is your fears for all the redistricting, all the voter rights suppression? Uh, is this going to be, this is the way of the future, whether we like it or not? Oh, it's, my biggest fear is that it's all going to work. Uh, you yeah. Know, uh, yeah, the Democrats are paying a price for ignoring state, legislate, state legislative races. And they're in, a, they're, they're in a deep hole, and they're, they're in a very deep hole on that. It's going to take them a while to dig out. And, of course, the courts aren't reliable on that anymore. And, right. you know, my biggest fear about all the voter suppression is that it's all going to work. Yeah. Now, kind of close to your territory, I see Andrew Cuomo finally stepped down. Yeah, uh, they tore in the first woman governor of uh, New York today. Yeah. Boy, that so was a fast be- death. I'll tell you what, that was a fast death, too. That happened, that happened quick. Yeah. Um, so where does a guy like Cuomo, where does he end up? Is it, is he now oh, on, sure you know, I'm sure he'll be, uh, you know, I don't know that he'll be able to go to academia now with, with, you know, with those incidents on his record, he'll end up as, you know, he'll probably wind up with, you know, some network funded, funded gig after a while. And, you know, he'll, he'll be a lobbyist and, you know, and who knows, he may decide to run for something again. Yeah. Figure it'll all blow over. He's there again now. Well, you know, the thing is, it really doesn't matter what you've done in politics. There's second, third, fourth, and fifth lives waiting for you because people have such 
a short freaking attention span. Right. The, Nobody the worst thing that, uh, what the worst thing that your your Minnesota boy F. Scott Fitzgerald ever wrote was that there aren't any second acts in American life. There are nothing but <laughs> second acts in American life. There are third yeah. and fourth acts. There are you know epilogues. There are you know encores. Yeah. Well, it's how do you feel? Like my, you know, I'm a been in the music business for 40 years, so I I have no choice but to be a born optimist. I have to think at some point when you have Alex Jones dissing Donald Trump that the bloom has to come off that particular rose. Oh, please agree off with Trump. Yeah, I think it. I think it already has begun. I think that they're not going to get any more sane. They're just going to find somebody else to rally behind, mm-hmm. whether it's the guy from Florida. Or, you know, one of the crackpots in Congress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got Charlie Pierce on the Wall of Power Radio Hour tonight. Charlie, you better come and visit me uh, the next time things lighten up in Duluth. Duluth has is considered one of the best locations for beer in America right now because that... 10% of the world's fresh water is right down the hill from me in Lake Superior. Everywhere you turn, there's a great IPA here in a new brew, brew pub in town. And yeah, I know. I did, uh, you know, I, I'm a tremendous sucker for the Great Lakes generally, so <laughs> if I ever get a chance to get up there. Well, you're always welcome. You know, I, uh, you, know you spent some serious time at, at uh, going to school in Marquette down in Milwaukee and back, you know, you remember back in the day, the seventies and eighties, the, the bears that we used to consider, uh, you know, tried and true golden beverages were lion and Kugels point. Right. You know, uh, you always had Sam Adams in Boston. Well, Sam Adams is, is, is far more recent, but I remember the first time I was in lacrosse, the first time I ever had lion Kugels lager, which, for some reason, they will not market nationally. They market everything else nationally. The red, the Bach, the shandy, everything. Linings will not market their, their lager nationally. It drives me crazy. Wow. You know, I remember years ago back when the... I remember the, um, Point. I remember Ham. Yeah. Well, I remember... Very refreshing. I, I love Point Beer, and I love their motto from Stevens Point, Wisconsin. When you're out of Point, you're out of town. That's right. <laughs> But I remember Lion and Kugels. They used to have it at the 400 bar, which was at, right at the corner of Cedar and Riverside and the West Bank, which is kind of where the, uh, uh, you know, the great Willie Murphy and Colonel Rand Glover, that was their territory right. after after Dinky Town kind of came to the other side of the river. Uh, but back when the, uh, the independent uh, rock and roll revolution started with the Ramones and then the, our beloved replacements, Robert Criscow, came to town doing an article on the replacements for the village voice. This would have been in mm-hmm. late seventies. And he was so enamored with line and Kugels was he took a case back with him to New York. I, City. There's no question. I should have done that at some point. <laughs> we'll see if uh, we can get last time I was anywhere near on that. The last time I was anywhere near that part of the country, I just should have bought a case because you can't <laughs> get it here. It makes me nuts. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll I'll get you set up, Charlie Pierce. We're going to listen to a little bit of uh, Charlie's Daughter's Band. And uh, 
and then have Charlie on for one more set in the wall of power radio hour. One single flame against the storm. There was one word I fought the war. You know the rules, you made them. If there's a chance, you'll take them. But who's that for? That was my friend, the Divas. They're an Irish trio. They're kind of a, uh, they carry on the Andrews sisters tradition, of course, the Andrews sisters. Oh, yeah. And I asked them, I was up doing a Iron Range, uh, interviewing some great musicians from up there about five years ago. And I was in the living room with the three of them. And I said, I need some really 50s cheese ball bumper music. They came up with that in about three minutes, wrote it and recorded it. So, I want to give it to uh, my friends, the Divas, uh, for recording that. So, Charlie, we got, um, let's circle back now. Uh, we just heard, we're taping this on August 24th, 2021. And we just heard of the passing of the great uh, Charlie Watts. Now, what, uh, when do you remember young Charlie Pierce? Here in the Rolling Stones for the first time and go, oh, yeah, I might like these guys more than I like the Beatles. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was so I was so locked into the Beatles at that point. I never felt that. But I knew that that this was different. Yeah. You know, that, that for some reason, this British invasion thing wasn't going to be a lot of pretty boys singing harmony. It wasn't going to be all Jerry and the Pacemakers. Uh-huh. It was going to be these guys. It was going to be the four lunatics from Shepherd's Bush, with whom I fell in love almost immediately. First time I ever heard Substitute, I was in love there. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, the funny thing with the Stones was I loved that I loved this, the, their breakthrough stuff. Then I sort of lost track of them uh, between Aftermath and Satanic Majesty, uh-huh. and then I picked them up when they went on that run with. With Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, uh, Exile, you know, that incredible. As soon as Mick Taylor joined the band, basically, is when I came back uh, into the Rolling Stones. Well, you probably, you know, that might, that's my favorite Stones period is with Mick Taylor. I mean, there's no... Oh, there's no question. My gosh, he's no, good. Oh, and he was young. I mean, was he like 18 years old? I, I don't know that he was that young, but yeah, he had already played with Mayall, so I don't know how young... I mean, he yeah, wasn't, was he wasn't 20, 20. He, he wasn't 25. I mean, yeah, he wasn't close to that. You know, and there's some great stuff. And then he, uh, I believe he was on Real Life with Bob Dylan. But, uh, yeah, anytime you can hear Mick Taylor, wherever you can hear him now, usually on YouTube, is worth hearing. The guy was phenomenal. And what a great yeah, foil for There's a whole bunch of... Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, YouTube videos from the American tour that they did 
Behind Exile, where they do, you know, Rip This Joint and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff from that album. And Mick Taylor yeah. is the all down the line. Uh, Mick Taylor is the absolute star of the videos. Yeah. Well, it's such a great... I mean, outside of, outside of Dwayne Allman, I think he's the best white slide player I ever heard. Yeah, and and like Dwayne Allman, plays a 59 Les Paul. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was a Les Paul guy. True, and I think he played a Strat for a little bit, but I think all that great Stone stuff was played on the Les Paul. Oh, okay. Yeah, my, in fact, I got a buddy, Billy Alcorn. He, he builds cases in Nashville for just about everybody. And he just did a project with the, uh, the Allman uh, Family Trust down in Macon where they put a, he's got a, uh, with the Allman Betts band. Now, uh, Devon Allman and Dickie Betts' kid have a band. And so, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and they're not bad, but what's cool about my buddy Billy, he went down to Macon, and they took, I believe, that 59 Gold Top Les Paul and other Dwayne artif- guitars and other artifacts. And so now if you get a VIP ticket to the Allman Betts Band, you get a tour backstage, and you get to see those sacred instruments. Oh, um, God. Every guitar player's dream. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Maybe if I so, maybe if I played this one, I can be great. You know. <laughs> well, they had actually one thing they had was they had an old, uh, I believe it was a Dan Electro that belonged to Dwayne Allman, and then it got lost. But Delaney Brandlett tracked it down somewhere, and the story was Dwayne said, "Yeah, if you ever find it, he goes, I nick the back with my thumbnail." And sure enough, <laughs> they've got that guitar with a thumbnail nick on this tour and uh, showcased archly by my buddy Billy Alcorn. So, Charlie Pierce, it's so great to reconnect with you. We've been kind of doing reruns on the Wall of Power Radio. Hour. It is always uh, a pleasure. Every time schools. you need me, send up the Yeah, no, we love having signal. you. Yeah, we got the checkpoint bat signal. So we'll be in touch. So, uh, Charlie, your pick, uh, Checkpoint Charlie pick, you get to pick the Rolling Stones tune we're going out with on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. Well, since it's, since we're, we're we're doing this because of the passing of Charlie Watts, I want to hear Tomlin die. Perfect choice. Charlie, thanks for your time tonight. Have a great rest of the summer, and we Always will be in touch. Always a pleasure. Say hi to Lake Superior for me, Paul. I sure will, Charlie. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Wall Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Messa, engineered by Patrick Lilia. We'd like to thank our guest, Checkpoint Charlie Pierce. We listened to several tunes by his daughter's Molly's band called Good Moon. And of course, we want to remember the great Charlie Watts on this day. We'd like to thank one of our great sponsors, School of Rock, Eden Prairie. Follow me at paulmetzer.com. And like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.